So uh, there I was this week. Uh, it was Wednesday. I was sitting at my desk at work. I was working hard as I always do. All right. Uh, you got to wait for the lightning to see if it's going to happen. I, I, was, I was working hard. I was actually doing my job. Uh, doing some data entry this week, which was not fun at all. And and somebody comes walking into the shop, which is not a big deal. Uh, Our shop is one of those places that people come in and out of all day long, all the time. But there was something different about the guy that walked into the shop Wednesday. Um, One is he was supposed to be at a school, not at the shop. And two, he was holding a Bojangles bag. Uh, And this was noteworthy because when you bring food in the shop, there's a rule. You gotta bring it for everybody. Now, if you don't work in the shop, you might not know the rule. And so I just ask him gently, you know, was, hey, bud, what, what you guys at Bojangles? Now, I don't know if you know this right now. At Bojangles, there is this amazing thing that's happening that they have made a spicy pimento cheese that they're putting on their Cajun filet biscuit. So it's a Cajun filet biscuit with pimento cheese. And I had heard at this point that it was amazing. And so I'm asking, you know, hey, hey, John. Did you, did you get one of them pimento cheese biscuits? And he says, why, why, yes, I did. And so at this point, I'm jealous. I, I mean, I'm there, I'm jealous. I'm like, man, I hear this is good. I'm gonna have to go to Bojangles in a minute. I'm gonna have to do this thing. And so I turn back around to my work and I'm like, man, he doesn't know the rule. I can't be on him. I, it's, it's okay. It's, I'm just gonna have to go get me one. They're only like $2. It's fine. I can just... And then I hear him, hey, Patrick. I was like, what, what's up? What's going on, John? And he reaches in his bag and he says, hey, I got one for you too. I was like, wah! Now, I want to tell you, um, just in a, a point of transparency with you, I, I did nearly squeal like a little girl uh, when this happened uh, because I was so, so very excited. I, I nearly just let out one of those squeals, but I didn't. But it wasn't just because he was giving me a biscuit, but it was because it wasn't uh, he finished eating and said, oh, I got a biscuit left over. Do you want it? No, he was standing at the store he was standing at Bojangles, and the lady said, what you want? He said, mm, let me get one of them Cajun Filet biscuits with the pimento cheese. Oh, and let me get one for Patrick, too. I don't know if he used my name at the store or not. He probably just said, give me three pimento cheese biscuits. But it made me feel special, and that changed the whole rest of my day. The rest of my day, I was like, man, I'm entering this data, and it's going to be awesome. Because somebody thought about me and brought me the good news of a Cajun filet pimento cheese biscuit from Bojangles. If you like pimento cheese, I recommend you go try that. And I'm not getting any money from Bojangles for telling you this. Uh, that would be awesome though. I should call them. I'm gonna send them the podcast. Uh, but you've been there, right? You, you, maybe you, yours wasn't a pimento cheese biscuit. Maybe yours was you put on your coat from last winter and when you put your hand in your pocket, you found that $20 you were missing. It makes your day better, right? Now, that's never happened to me because I've never had $20 to put in my coat pocket, but, or at least not forget it. I would know immediately that it was gone. Uh, but maybe you found a dollar. Uh, somebody told me this week that they found $3 in their pocket and it blew their mind. Like they were just thrilled because they forgot they had $3. And so they went to Burger King and it was delicious. Uh, maybe for you, as you got up one Saturday morning, you're like, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go look at a yard sale. And you just drive around, you see one, you stop and you find that thing that you didn't even know you didn't have in your life and it's only a quarter. And the whole rest of your day is like, man, I gotta put this on Instagram and I gotta Facebook it and I gotta tell everybody, cause this is awesome. I got this, I don't even know what it is, but it's awesome. Maybe you heard that your favorite ball team picked up that one player or your least favorite ball team lost that one player and it just, it changed your day. 
it changed your week. You want to let everybody know that's what happens when good things happen because good news changes everything. Good news changes everything. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our series, Let's Open the Bible, uh, where we're going through the entire Bible in just five weeks. It sounds crazy, it's a little daunting, but we're doing it, and thankfully Chris is doing most of the heavy lifting. Um, this is the third week. Uh, the first week, Chris talked about beginnings, where we talked about creation and the introduction of sin into the world and the beginning of God's plan to partner with us to put the world back together with him. Uh, that was about 12 chapters in the book of Genesis, right at the very beginning of the Bible. Uh, and then last week, he did the rest of the Old Testament, 4,000 years in about 30 minutes. And the word that he used to describe that was journey. And he talked about how the people of Israel moving through the Old Testament is a lot like a family on a road trip. And that there's fights and there's arguments and there's mishaps and there's things that happen, but the family is there together moving through and you can see what's going with that. Uh, both of those are up on uh, jointadventure.com slash podcast. Definitely check those out. They, they are worth seeing. Um, you know, for this series, Chris has been challenging us to bring our Bible with us to, to church. Uh, and I've got to admit right now, just in full transparency, my Bible is in Virginia because it was in my wife's car when she drove off to go visit her in-laws. So this one's off the uh, shelf over here. But I got a Bible and I'm okay with that. Uh, but bring your physical Bible with you. If, if you don't have one, it's not a problem. You can use the app on your phone or all the scriptures that we use will be on the screens. But if you do have your physical Bible, I want you to pull it out now and I want you to turn to the last page of the Old Testament. Uh, so flip to, it's about two thirds of the way in. The last page of the Old Testament, it's the end of the book of Malachi, which in this Bible, Malachi is only, oh no, it's two pages. Uh, so I'm, I'm there, I'm gonna lose my uh, spaghetti bookmark now. Uh, so last page of the Old Testament, and there's something cool that happens. You turn the page right there, you see that one page in your Bible? That one page between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Chris did 4,000 years in 30 minutes. I'm gonna do 400 years in one page, right there. Uh, that is 400 years of Jewish history, and crazy things happen in that 400 years. Uh, a guy by the name of Alexander of Macedonia, or Alexander the Great, comes into power, and he comes and he takes over Palestine, uh, takes over Judea, takes over um, most of the known world. Uh, he, he does that, and then uh, several years into that, probably 200 years later, the Ptolemies rise up in Egypt, and they come through, and they take over Palestine and Judea, uh, and then several years after that, the Greeks take it back, and then finally in 160 AD, the Maccabeans rise up, and they win independence for Israel, for Judea, for Palestine, and so now they're not controlled by anybody, and that lasts about 100 years, because in 60 BC, the Roman war engine comes rolling by and takes it over once again. And, and that's where the 400 years takes us, is through all of that time of conqueror after conqueror, world kingdom after world kingdom coming through and playing tug of war with this, this place and this land and these people. Uh, when the Romans come in, they set up a puppet kingdom with Herod on the throne. But it's really cool because that one page more than just that 400 years of history, it also does something really awesome. As you flip that page, you move from BC to AD, 
or BCE to CE if, if you want to be scientific about it, but you move from year one to year one. It's the hinge that the year ones uh, latch onto, and there's a really good reason for that. Uh, if we look at Matthew chapter one, verse 18, check out what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. It changes because of a great and powerful good news that came into the world. It changes because the people who made the decisions about calendars back when they were opening the very first calendar go store, they knew that the birth of Jesus changed everything, that it changed everything. So they changed their calendars right there. Uh, today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life and the ministry of Jesus while he was here on the earth. And to do that, we're going to be in the first four books of the New Testament, uh, which are often called the Gospels. And what these books do is they give us a biography of Jesus. They, they tell us about his life and, and what he did. The Gospels start at the beginning, at his birth. And then they touch on his childhood in a couple of different moments. And then they give us really amazing insights into his ministry as he went around and shared the good news of the kingdom of God. It's actually in the Gospels that we get to hear some of Jesus' sermons. We get to see some of the things that he taught, hear some of the lessons that he expounded upon. We get to see how he interacts with his family, how he interacts with his, his best friends, with his followers. And we get to see the power that he has to heal and to bring peace. So we've talked about beginnings, and we've talked about the journey. Today, our word is gonna be Gospel, gospel. If you've been around church very long, it's probably a word that you have heard, the word gospel. Uh, in fact, you probably even know that the word gospel means the good news. And if you didn't, that's free information for you right there. The gospel means uh, good news. But what is this good news? The good news that came in and changed everything. I mean, did Jesus show up in year one with biscuits? Because that would have been cool. Uh, but no, no, it was something deeper than that. It was something greater than that. Uh, maybe you've heard about the gospel. Maybe you've heard the gospel is the gospel of peace. And then that's what it's about, is that Jesus brings peace. Or maybe you've heard that it's the gospel of love, and it's all about the love of God that comes in, or the gospel of hope, or the gospel of salvation from our sins and our mistakes and our misfortunes. And you know what? If you've heard that, you're, you're right. It is all of those things but it's also something much, much greater. We're gonna look in Matthew chapter four. Uh, in Matthew four, what we're getting at is Jesus has just reached adulthood. He's gone, he's been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. He's gone out into the wilderness for 40 days to fast. He's been tempted by Satan three times and defeated those temptations with memorized scripture. The angels have ministered to him. He gets up and he then goes and does this. Matthew chapter four, starting at verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And then this is a quote from the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of shadow, and land of the shadow of death, 
a light has dawned. So that's, that's the, uh, what he quotes. That's the, the passage from the book of Isaiah. And then he goes on, this is what Jesus does. This is the start of his real ministry. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is what the gospel is all about. That the kingdom of heaven is near. That is the good news. That is the good news. That the kingdom that was promised to Israel has finally come. That the kingdom that they've waited for more than 400 years for is finally here. That the kingdom that the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ would bring forth has arrived. You know what's crazy is that that word gospel being used in the kingdom mindset wasn't started with Jesus. He borrowed an idea that was already there because you see the Roman emperor, 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 Roman emperor Hadrian, he used this word gospel as he sent people out ahead of his armies to spread the gospel of Caesar. The gospel that said, if you let our armies come through, if you let our armies come in and occupy you, you become part of the Roman Empire, we got good stuff for you. And then they would start the pitch. We got paved roads. We've got running water. We've got beautiful fountains. We've got forums and coliseums and temples and theaters. And not only that, you get to be part of the greatest empire that the world has ever known. And that's what they would do. They would go out and they would spread that news. In fact, because of that, when they took over Jerusalem, there was barely a fight to be had because they had bought into this gospel of Caesar. They said, we'll be part of this kingdom. And so the kingdom mindset comes. This wasn't something new to Jesus, though. Because... Go back to Christmas. Go back to that story. Go back to those three guys that you put out in your nativity scene. Those, those wise men that came seeking the king of the Jews. They came seeking the king of the Jews. And they go to Herod and they say, we're looking for the king. And he's like, well, he ain't here. I mean, wait, no, I'm the king. You go find him and I want to come worship him too. But then what Herod does is he goes and has all the, the young boys, two years old and younger, killed so that he won't lose his throne because of this kingship idea. Even in his last day, as he's hanging there on the cross, written above his head, the Romans have put, here's Jesus, the king of the Jews. The kingdom is what it's about. In the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the gospel of the good news of the kingdom of God. And as you go through these first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that Jesus brings this up over and over again. Uh, time and again, he points back to the kingdom. In fact, in Matthew 13, there's one string of parables where back to back to back, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Matthew 13, 31, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of all garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds can come and perch in its branches. 
In verse 33, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When the man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And finally, verse 47, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but, the, but threw the bad away. And if you go through Jesus' parables over and over again, he likens them back to the kingdom of heaven. He says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like because he's trying to explain the kingdom. He's trying to explain why this good news is the best good news that's ever been given. But there's a problem. You see, this isn't the kind of kingdom that the people were expecting. This isn't the kind of kingdom that, that you, the people of Israel were, were looking for. Because you see, back in the Old Testament, there was a king named David. And God told us through the Bible that this man was after his own heart. That David was a man after God's own heart. David wasn't perfect. In fact, if you read the Bible, you'll see that David made some really big mistakes. But God made a promise to David. Uh, this is in 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting about halfway through verse 11. It says, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So this is the kind of king that the people of Israel are waiting for. A, a mighty king like David, a mighty king who would come in as a military leader, defeating enemies, bringing freedom and prosperity to the people of Israel. The people that were even thinking about the Messiah after 400 plus years of waiting for him were expecting a military leader that would come in and throw off the oppression of the Roman government. That's what they were looking for. That's what they wanted. They wanted an earthly kingdom that made a heavenly impact. They wanted another David, but that's not what Jesus came to bring. Jesus came to bring a kingdom that would seem upside down to the world, a kingdom where love was what conquered instead of strength of arms, where generosity is what was revered instead of hoarded wealth. A kingdom where being the greatest is not about exerting the most power and influence, but about being the most humble and servant-hearted. What Jesus offers is a heavenly kingdom that makes a huge earthly impact. You see, this is why Jesus surrounded himself with fishermen and tax collectors instead of soldiers. But it's interesting that they spent 
a big amount of time with him. They spent three years with him, listening to his teaching, listening to his parables, listening to him compare the kingdom of heaven over and over and over again. And still, on the night when he was betrayed, sitting in the upper room, having just done communion with his disciples, this happens. Luke 22, starting verse 24. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. The one who rules should be like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Jesus explained that he came to establish a different kingdom. In one of the sermons that Jesus preached that's recorded in the Gospels. In fact, it's the longest sermon that we have from Jesus. It was preached on the side of a mountain, so they call it the Sermon on the Mount, which I think is a pretty clever name. Uh, It's in Matthew chapter five through eight. Uh, But at the very beginning of this, Jesus is once again explaining his kingdom and what it's all about. Matthew chapter five, verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus says that his is a kingdom that is different. His is a kingdom that's not going to bow down to the rich and the wealthy, the kingdom that's not going to bow down to the ones who've got it all right, the ones who are popular, the ones who seem to have everything that the world has to offer. He says, no, my kingdom is a kingdom for those who are hurting. My kingdom is a kingdom for those who are lonely. My kingdom is a kingdom for the downtrodden and for the oppressed. And my kingdom does not only welcome those people, but it wants those people. It seeks those people. It searches them out in the byways and in the alleys and says, I want you to come and be a part of my kingdom. And do you want to know what the best part is? The best part is that the real gospel of the kingdom of God is that those gates are still open today. That is the best part of the kingdom of God. That is the good news. That is the gospel. It's still available today for each and every person in this world to come and be a part of the kingdom. Guys, God still wants to heal your hurts. 
He still wants to give you the love and the peace and the hope and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the gentleness and the self-control that comes from him being in you and living in you. But most importantly, he wants to give you salvation. He wants to give you redemption. He knows that you've made mistakes. He knows that you've not always been perfect. And he wants to bring you forgiveness for your failures. A chance to stand up again. And not just stand up as a citizen of the kingdom, but as the prince's and princesses of the kingdom of God. You see, that's what Jesus' ministry was all about. Showing us the way to the kingdom. And then he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I'm so glad that it is. You guys pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for all you are and for all you do. I thank you that your kingdom has come upon us and has lifted itself up and said, this is what it's about. Help us to seek that good news in our life. Help us to live out each and every day pouring into your kingdom, living with a kingdom mindset, being part of who you are. In your name we pray. Amen.